lovely listeners, welcome to episode 117 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. I am your titular host, the aforementioned Stacey, and joining me in the virtual parlour this month to waffle about comics and movies and TV and all the other sort of waffles that I usually do is a very special guest. Uh, she is a writer and editor of comics, a D&D enthusiast. She is a comic book fan, an avid gamer, and uh, she loves music and sarcasm. So hopefully we'll get along pretty well. It's Stephanie Cook. Welcome to the parlour, Stephanie. Hello, thank you for having me. And you keep mentioning waffles and like now I'm just wanting waffles, but I know that's yeah. not what you mean, but like I have a craving now, so. <laughs> I feel like it's a really bad time for me to be talking about waffles when you haven't had dinner yet. Um, <laughs> it seems somewhat cruel and I do apologize. <laughs> that's okay. And, you know, like waffles, uh, even if I wasn't like, you know, in dinner time land, like I think that would just make anyone hungry who isn't yeah. a monster. Sorry, yeah, if you like waffles <laughs> and I've just called you a monster. I'm off to a great start here. So, No, I, I, I will wholeheartedly back you up on that. If you don't like waffles, you are a monster. I am the same with pancakes. As soon as anybody says the word pancakes to me, I'm like, where? Yeah. I'm like the dog from up. I'm like, pancakes? Mm-hmm. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely firmly between them on team pancake, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a cookbook of pancakes. Like, oh. I love pancakes. But I'm like on this, like not like a health diet like I'm trying to like work out stomach problem diets Uh, like one of those mm -hmm. so like I can't have like pancakes right now unless I like make them with like ingredients that'll make them taste bad (laughs) (laughs) sad I'm just like oh I want that yeah I've got um IBS and luckily we found out pretty quickly pretty much exactly what it was that was causing me problems, um, which turned out, weirdly enough, to be diet and full-fat Coke. Don't know why only Coke. Other pops are fine. And uh, and onions. So they're, like, fairly easy for me to avoid. And it's not cheese, because that was my panic, is that they would say, yes, you've become lactose intolerant, no more cheese for you. And I'm like, well, what is life anymore? <laughs> yeah, I, I am lactose intolerant. But no. I'm 100% one of those people that, like still eats dairy anyways <laughs> during the pandemic I had like I, I was like bef- before the pandemic I was kind of like maybe I have a gluten intolerance I, I knew about the dairy thing already but I was like maybe I also have this and so I was like being really good and like starting to kind of like cut that out of my diet and then the pandemic happened and I'm like let me live <laughs> and so like I just like devolved into like dairy grains like everything and so like I was like well the bakery needs my support the local <laughs> bakery needs my support is it my fault that there's butter and cheese in these danishes no but they need my support so I'm gonna buy them and eat them because like otherwise that's wasteful so like I just have been having like stomach problems like all through the no. pandemic and I'm like why do I feel terrible and like I know why I feel terrible it's a hundred percent my own fault but like now I've gotten to a point where I'm like okay this is like starting to affect your sleep. You do not sleep through the night. You need to change things. Yeah, so my body's like, you. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a very good point to stop talking about food before you start getting oh super my God. hungry. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. cheese. <laughs> I, uh, because of the time difference between us, I am actually full of KFC right now. So oh. I couldn't feel more <laughs> terrible if I tried. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. did at the time. 
was good. I hear you. I hear you. I'm I'm like a big fan of like takeout and like you know a good old fashioned just like junk food kind of like binge, and then you're just like, oh, <laughs> my life does this. Tonight I'm eating healthy, but okay. still, I'll dream of the day when I can have trash again. <laughs> Well, we we sort of rationalised it today as being like, well, it's Friday, isn't it? <laughs> like, to be honest, there could be any excuse. It could be like, well, it's Monday, you know, I need to pick yeah, me up. Or like, oh, well, it's Friday, it's all, you know, it's the weekend. <laughs> Let's Honestly, celebrate. Same. <laughs> oh, I look, it's raining. Oh. <laughs> anytime. Like, it's like, oh, I'm having a bad day. Let's get takeout. Oh, this is awful. Takeout. Like, I love takeout. So, mm. I hear you. It's been one of those things as well, and I genuinely, listeners, will stop talking about both food and things that aren't pop culture in a minute. Um, but it's one of those things since the lockdown as well that I've been really struggling with because I used to quite like going out to restaurants, and it's not just a case of like because they're cooking me food that I don't know how to cook, but it's also because there's no like responsibility around it. You just go out and somebody cooks for you and somebody brings it to you and you eat it and they take it away and you leave and there's no washing up and it's all great. So so like so like now I think I've just replaced the couple of nights a week that we used to like restaurant and cinema with just like sticking a KFC in my face while I'm watching Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. Like I like going out to like restaurants and stuff too for sure. But like my partner scarfs food down and like i'm a pretty quick eater but like he has no chill so like you go to a restaurant and we're in and out of there so fast that it doesn't even feel like a date like it's like you know so like i think that's kind of like destroyed some of the charm and like romance of going to a restaurant like he'll be like eat ordering his meal and he'll be like i'm gonna like order dessert now too so it's like ready you know like he's just ridiculous oh i do like a person that loves food yeah, like he anyway. loves it, but then he just eats it too fast. So like, then we're just like done, and it's like, well, we just got here. We're like a server's dream because like we're in and out so quickly. But like, you know, it's it's just like, oh, okay. As opposed to like when you go out with like my friends and we're there for like three hours, mm. just like not shutting up. I've been to a restaurant before with a friend where we went for lunch and we stayed there talking so long. We just had dinner there too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've definitely done that before. Like, <gasps> absolutely. Oh, do you remember fun. being out? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> let's not go there. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, let's do a really terrible segue. What would you like to talk about pop culture wise? <gasps> oh, I don't even know where to start. I should have thought of this while we were talking, but I was like so absorbed in like the waffles and everything. <laughs> I'm like, I watch so much stuff constantly. Mm-hmm. Like right now I've just finished watching literally three seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> okay. Like I watched, well, the UK one. I watched two seasons of All Stars. I've watched four seasons. I lied. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm watching like the main season that's airing right now. So I don't think that really counts. I don't know. Um, let's see. You, I think, do you talk about books too? I can t- yes. tell people about a book I just finished. Yes, go ahead. I finished a book called Lore by Alexandra Bracken. I don't know if you've heard of this book. No. Oh, well, I am, I love Greek mythology, um, and I'm just, like, obsessed with it. I am currently absorbing, like, I'm playing two video games that are Greek mythology 
based. I'm reading two comics that are Greek mythology based. I just finished this book. Um, But it's about like a young woman who is the last mortal in the bloodline of Perseus in modern times. And there is this event called the Aegon. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. Aegon, (laughs) Aegon. And basically all of the gods, the Greek gods become mortal for seven days. And each, like, it's kind of like, they're kind of like gangs, I guess, like Greek gangs and each, but they're, they're family bloodlines. So this girl is part of like the Perseus bloodline, but then there's all these other ones too. And a mortal can claim the power of a god if they can kill them. Ooh. So all of these clans get together. I guess clans the better word, not gang. <laughs> um, in retrospect. Uh, so they all like hunt these gods and goddesses for these seven days and basically try and claim the power of a god. And this woman is trying to get revenge on one of the new gods who killed her whole family so she has this vendetta against him and she teams up with the last one of the last original gods which is athena and uh yeah they have to destroy the new Ares, which who goes by the name of wrath Ooh, that mm-hmm. sounds really exciting when i was uh, when i was a kid i was sort of semi-obsessed i, I flip-flopped between uh greek gods and egyptian gods i don't know why i just found them both absolutely mm-hmm. fascinating yeah so um what sort of uh is it is it aimed at adults or is it a i'd say it's definitely ya ish like yeah. it's it's definitely not younger than that i'd say it's ya i haven't read the author's works before she's known for i think a few other ya things as well i love ya because it's like so not pretentious it's just like straight to the point people kiss people make out like this there's action like it has everything that i want in a story and it's kind of just you know relatively like linear and i like that in my books (laughs) (laughs) basic but no i wholeheartedly agree i am somebody who has found uh, I can't. I can't think of a good example off the top of my head, but there's been times where people have been like, "Read this, you'll love it. It's, it's so up your alley." And then I've got about a chapter in, and I'm like, "This is impenetrable, and I hate it." <laughs> yeah, like you know, people love, and I think this is a good book, and this is not a knock on the book itself, but like Jeff Vandermeer's Annihilation. Uh huh. Yeah. Like it's a great book. Like it's written really well, but it's so like over my head, mm-hmm. and like. Like, it's just so deep and meta. And, like, I just can't. Like, I just I just want to, like, read something that is relatively to the point. Like, I, I, if you enjoy, you know, high concept stuff, good on you. But, like, I read at the end of my day after I've been sitting at my desk for 12 hours, like, doing eight hours of that being my, like, day job. And then, like... The rest of it's dedicated to like editing and writing, and I just want to read something that doesn't hurt my brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally understand that. I read, um, I read the trilogy. I've forgotten what the trilogy's called, but the the one, the Jeff Andermeer one with uh, Annihilation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, I forget what it's called too. Yeah, I read it a couple of years ago, and it was one of those things. I have this habit, and this might sound like an absolutely batshit way to read books, um, but. <laughs> Oh, it works for me. I have this habit of if I get to the end of a book and I feel like I'm gelling with the characters and I'm gelling with the style of writing, but I'm not 
quite understanding what's happening is <laughs> I'll go off and I'll read other people's reviews and sort of thoughts on it and if I can figure out based on the reviews if I can make the connections and think right this is what this book is about then I'll carry on <laughs> reading it or I'll, I'll consider that book a success like yes I've understood that now I get it but if I go to a review and I don't understand the review either I'm like right yeah I'm done with this I don't know what's happening <laughs> I absolutely do stuff like this. I actually, this extends into like TV shows and movies for me lately too. Mm-hmm. I will like watch like part of something and then I'll be like, mm, am I going <laughs> to enjoy this? Like in the long run, am I going to invest 12 hours into this show and then be very angry at the end? Or, <laughs> and so I definitely like watch something, pause it, go find a review. And then sometimes even spoil myself on what happens. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, do I continue? Yes, no? <laughs> the answer is usually no. <laughs> no, I don't blame you. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I'm at the moment, I'm in the middle of a, of a bookworm challenge for charity. And um, I've been, I've read, I'm just in the middle of my ninth book, I think, in the past two and a bit weeks. What? Um, yeah. <laughs> I know it's literally it's just like any time that I'm not working I've got my face in a book uh, <laughs> like just it took de- me two weeks to read like lore like and like damn well this I is just thing. such a fast reader I'm so jealous <laughs> I'm really intrigued to pick up lore now because um I as part of this bookworm challenge I read the inheritance trilogy by N.K. Jemison, who is somebody who I will go to bat for like I've only started reading her books I think it was I can't remember if it was last year or the year before a friend of mine bought um I've forgotten what it's called why am I so terrible (laughs) my brain um but a friend of mine bought one of her other trilogies for me and I just like squaffled it up but having read an entire trilogy in the space of I think it was about a week and they're like beefy books they're all like 400 odd pages quite small font I've sort of got to the point now where I'm like I can't read anything else like this or I'm gonna <laughs> my brain's gonna fall over <laughs> like I can't cope <laughs> so I quite like the idea of something that's uh yeah fun but not too like yeah. mind-boggling <laughs> Again, like, I definitely read a lot of, like, um, YA. Like, I just, and I'm I'm not even just reading it because, like, I make it sound like it's, I don't know, simple. Like, I'm making it sound like I look down on YA. I don't. I love YA. Like, I just think it's amazing. And it is looked down on by a lot of people. But I have the highest respect for it. But, like, I actually can appreciate that, like, you read all of those books all in once. Because, like, if I have to, like, leave a book read several other things and come back to it like a year two years three years twelve thousand years later if we're talking about george r R. martin (laughs) like i'm gonna forget everything and i did that with like i don't know if you read shelby mahurin's book um serpent and dove which is also ya it's also very good but like i was so excited for the sequel and i put it on hold at the library and it was like you will have to wait 12 weeks for your hold and i'm like yeah perfect awesome and it like finally came in and I was like, yes, I can't wait, sequel. And I started it and I couldn't remember anything that happened in the last book. And so I just returned it to the library like immediately because I was like, oh, I can't be bothered. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those, one of the many reasons that I really like comics is because since I've become an adult, my attention span seems to have absolutely okay. shrunk. I don't know what, I mean, when I was a kid, like I literally, you know, 
as much <laughs> as much as I wouldn't want to promote these books now because the writer is a nightmare person. Um, oh, but like yeah. when the Harry Potter books came out, I could literally read those in a day, and the following day have like a big long conversation with all of my friends about everything that happened in the book. <laughs> um, whereas now it's like, oh look, a new book's arrived. Maybe I'll get that read by Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is- Partly why I took, I decided to do the uh, the bookworm challenge because I thought, hey, that'll actually get me into reading some actual books. But like one of the reasons I love comics is because floppies come with previously in this run of comics type pages, uh, or you can just wait for trades, which is just like a big chunk of story all at once. Yeah, it's amazing, and like I feel bad, like I shouldn't just kind of disregard books by that, like, but it's so hard to find standalone like series like standalone Mm. series is an oxymoron uh but like a standalone book like everything is a series these days and i don't have like my brain doesn't store stuff long enough to like read something brand new and then carry that over like to whenever the next book comes out like it just no longer functions like that anymore (laughs) i'm the same i am I got really annoyed with myself because a couple of years ago I bought the latest Philip Pullman book, which was the oh, book, yeah. was the Book of Dust, because yes, yes. I was obsessed with his dark materials when I was younger. I was right. like, yep, this is fantastic, absolutely love it. I think I must have read it about 15 times. And then when he announced this like sort of like prequel slash sequel, it's a very bizarre mm. set up for these set of books. Um, the, the sort of premise was the idea that they were going to come out, you know, one after another fairly quickly um it turns out he hasn't written the third one yet and i've read the first and second and now i'm very annoyed because he's going to force me to read them again at some point because <laughs> i don't remember what happened at all <laughs> you know what like i love the like golden compass like it is maybe my favorite book of all time like it's one <laughs> of them and i tried to read these and i read through the book of dust and i liked it and it's like, oh, okay, so that's, like, some context in Delira's life. Uh, but I, like, did not enjoy, what is it, The Secret Commonwealth? Is that the oh, second? I'm so glad you said that. I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. And, like, okay, so I got to, I read it for, I maybe read a third of it. And then I just went and looked up what happened. Because I was like, I can't read this. But my partner bought it for me. So, like, I wanted him to, like, if he asked me, like, to know what happened so like it feels like i completed it i guess Mm -hmm. um but like i i hated it i hated what had become of lyra and pan i hated it it broke my heart yeah it's um I wasn't anticipating this coming up, so I apologise oh, to anybody for all my, uh, for all my, my uh, no, it's just I, I usually have to plan my notes quite meticulously just because my memory's so crap. Um, but I'm glad you brought it up because I never actually managed to talk about this on the show because when I read it, the next guest that I had on hadn't read it but was intending to, so I didn't want to say it. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was such a disappointment because for a start, about a third of the way into this book there's a section that negates the point of the book of dust like they literally tell you that story in the span of about three pages so you don't need you don't even need to read the book of dust it's entirely (laughs) (laughs) even though i quite enjoyed it 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 gets rendered entirely pointless but it was just such a frustrating book because it felt to me like like he wanted to make a political point but also didn't quite know what political point he was making. And so he just sort of farted out a load of politics into a book that just wasn't interesting to yeah. me. I don't know I, what he was doing. And, like, 
it's not that it isn't well written or anything like that, but like Lyra is like, uh, I actually, before we talked, wrote out this like review for this lovely 11 year old girl. And she was like, what's your favorite book as a kid? And I was like, the golden compass. (laughs) And then like, was like, because of this, this, and this, and this. And it is, it was such a turning point book for me in my life. And it has never left me. I think about Mm -hmm. the golden compass, like regularly, like, so so regularly and i think about those moments and how my heart hurt like when lyra and pan like separate and like all these like things that happen in these books and the emotional reaction mm-hmm. that they invoked in me as a kid and then i read a secret commonwealth and in the sense that like it evoked an emotional reaction in me is great but it was like the wrong kind like i was just yeah. mad and like yeah, i just same. it's like one of those things where like don't meet your heroes kind of thing. Like I just like it, it told a story I didn't need to have told. I mm-hmm. wasn't curious about what Lyra's life as an adult was like. And it's just the opposite of the golden compass in every way. Like for everything magical that's in those books, this is so painfully real in a way. Like yeah. it just, ugh, I, it was so hard. I couldn't read it. I couldn't finish it. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend going back to it and trying to finish it because, I mean, ugh, I don't know how much I want to say. I know it's like it, there's a there's a big ugh, there's a big sequence towards the end that felt to me like what am I trying to say? <laughs> it felt to me like Philip Pullman was trying to be relevant to the Me Too movement, but in doing so just really was for the detriment of the character and everything that has happened to her prior i'm really trying to dance around this because it's a massive Uh, sort of trigger warning as well like i don't want to talk about yeah yeah yeah, but it's grim it's grim you can probably infer from what i've already said what happens to lyra on a train and uh it just as, as soon like i was already cross up to that point because the book in of in and of itself was the stuff about Lyra and Pan was just absolutely maddening. And then the rest of the stuff I couldn't have given half of a shit about if I tried. <laughs> I didn't yeah. care about this, like, I don't know, government agency or whatever. That are, I can't even remember what the, the conceit yeah, of that was. was. Some people are so after, I guess. Bland. Mm-hmm. Just completely forgettable and completely boring. And then the rest of it was just infuriating. But as soon as I got to that scene on the train, I was like, this isn't the universe or the character or the the story that I know or that I want. Like, it's just not at all resonating with me in the way that the, the His Dark Materials trilogy did. Yeah, so, and, like, it's, like, definitely made for, like, the generation that grew up with those books, too. And it's like, oh, now we're grown up, so let's give them the grown-up version of this. And, like, I don't want that. I want the Golden yeah. Compass again. And, like, it's, <laughs> it's on my bookshelf. And I have, I have like, numerous bookshelves. So this one is, like, on a bookshelf I have in my bedroom that is, like, hardcovers and kind of like big paperbacks Mm -hmm. and it faces like I face it when I am like lying in bed reading at night and I see it on my shelf and it makes me angry to look (laughs) at like that's like the kind of like reaction and I need to just get rid of it but like my partner again bought it as a Christmas gift for me a couple years ago or whenever it came out and like so I feel guilty getting rid of it but also it makes me mad (laughs) Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I'm in the position now where I'm like, do I get the last one or not? Because at this point, I'm so far in. 
<laughs> like, like I've read, you know, I've now read sort of five books ahead of six. You know, do I get do I? But, but at the same time, I can't imagine that there's a there's a way this can wrap up that I'm going to be satisfied with. Has he said what the next one focuses on? Not that I've seen, but I'll be honest, I haven't particularly looked because I was yeah. so disappointed by <laughs> the Secret Commonwealth. Yeah, I've just sort of avoided <laughs> like yeah. all sort of discussion of it because I'm like, oh no, it's not. Yeah. It's not good. And it was one of those things where, because I've got an account on Goodreads where I just sort of like fling some reviews around for books, mostly so that I can track what I've read because I will forget otherwise. I really should get my memory looked at. <laughs> but I, I, when I reviewed that, I think I gave it three stars. And I don't think it's a three star book at all. But I think part of me was like, but it's Philip Pullman and it's Lyra. It's got to be good, hasn't it? <laughs> just had like yeah. a sort of, sort of brain fart panic. But, I'm like, mm. I feel like it can't be an extension. Like, the first book's like a prequel, the second book's a sequel, like, and the third book shouldn't be about Lyra again. So I'm curious about what he would do. Like, I'd be interested in that book if it was not focused on Lyra in the same way that the Book of Dust was. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Lyra's in it, but she's like a very, 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 very minute part of it. <laughs> it's her orange origin story, so to speak. But like... Yeah, like, I just have no interest in the further non-adventures of Lyra. Yeah. Like, I just don't want that. It, no, I'm ugh. the same. I'm, uh, I'm sort of tentatively waiting for my mom to read The Secret Commonwealth because she uh, she loves Philip Pullman as well. So Because I'm, I'm secretly hoping she'll hate it too so we can have a bit of a bitch session. Uh, <laughs> and, like, yeah, I feel bad. Like, I really wanted to love it. Like, oh, I too. really did. And it just, it, ugh, ugh. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the best noise you could make in a in a sort of um, happy segue. The going back to the Inheritance trilogy by N.K. Jemison. One of the reasons that I really liked that trilogy is the fact that it is it is it is a trilogy and it's set in the same universe and it's sort of around the same characters, but each book is written from a different character's perspective. So each book has a totally different personality and it feels different and it's set in a different sort of time. So there's quite large time jumps between the three books. And I thought that was a really good way of uh, not overstaying you welcome in a trilogy. Because <laughs> um, not to not to like, you know, rag on a lot of people's favourite books, but I had a real hard time with the Lord of the Rings trilogy because I found that I thought, do you know what? If you shaved out half the songs and all the unnecessary flowery bits, you could make one really good book here. <laughs> yeah, and I think, like, I am, like, the biggest Lord of the Rings fan. I love the Lord of the Rings. But I think you're absolutely right. Like, there is something to be said about, like, an artist or a writer or whatever that can get to the point. <laughs> and that's, like, kind of exactly, like, why I love YA. Uh, you know, like, there's not this kind of, like, several pages dedicated to like hobbit like tobacco and smoking <laughs> like with gandalf and stuff and like that's fine like if that's the kind of writer you are like somebody loves that world somebody loves that world building somebody loves all of those flourishes and stuff i am not one of them like i will skip that like mm -hmm. i just want the story but like i get it like you're you're not alone in that. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when there was that whole brouhaha when the movies came out, everybody was going, where's Tom Bombadil? I was like, thank God. <laughs> thank God he's not in it. <laughs> yeah, like, sometimes, like, I think, you know, I'm definitely in the past have been guilty of being like, wow, like, it's not the book. Like, <laughs> I am very, like, the things that I love, I love 
wholeheartedly and like mm-hmm. I'm so mad. I will never watch the Time Traveler's Wife movie ever. because uh, I have opinions. But like, you know, there's there's sometimes when you have to concede that a story is better when you kind of like cut things out. And like the extended editions of those movies are like what, like twelve hours collectively? Like, you know, that's yeah. still like they they put a lot in there and I think they're really good and they do like a really good job of adapting the source material. Yeah. Yeah. I much preferred the movies to the book, mostly because I was absolutely fascinated with all the sort of costume and set design and effects in those films. Like I, I think the first time I saw the first film, I don't know that I paid that much attention to what was actually happening because I was too busy just like sort of ogling everything, like, oh, this looks so good. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm trying to think of, like, other examples in which, like, like adaptations. But anyways, I don't know. I'm rambling and I've lost my train of thought, so I apologize. That's okay. Did you watch the um, the His Dark Materials TV show at all? Yeah. And I loved it, to be honest. Like, I, I've had enough distance with the books. Like, I'm not a big rereader, rewatcher of stuff. Like, I, again, not to bring up the time traveler's wife again in such a short <laughs> span of time but that's the first book i've ever like reread in my adult life uh i tend to kind of like have a, a weird anxiety about like rereading something or re-watching something when i have so many books and tv shows and movies that i haven't yeah watched so i have a weird anxiety but that being said like i love that and the golden compass is something i've wanted to revisit forever uh book wise but they did the show and it just was like everything i wanted it to be mm-hmm. like i i didn't read reviews i just dove into it and was just like i love this and i actually got like mad at my partner at times like <laughs> i'm so adhd like i will pause things i will get up i will ramble during stuff and like my partner was like that person for this like he would start talking and i'd be like shut Oh, <laughs> or he'd make a joke about a character and I'm like don't talk about Lyra like that like I was like so mad and he was like okay and there was like a really emotional part that happened I can't remember what it is but like I was full on like tearing up like one eye was like you know leaking leaking and he went to go make a joke and like I turned to him and he was like oh I will not make that joke and <laughs> You know, like, I just, it was so, it was what I wanted the movie, the first movie they did to be. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it's, it was so good. I love Daphne Keene. I love, um, oh, my God. Why can I not? Ruth Wilson. Oh, oh, my God. Her flipping costume styling as well. Like, every week I was like, I want her wardrobe. It wouldn't fit me. And I wouldn't look anywhere near as good. But look at it. Ah. <laughs> and I loved the witches so much. And, like, oh my. Eva Green was like my perfect Serafima, but like I and I, the person to cast as her in this is so Eva Green still that um, it takes Mm -hmm. me a second sometimes to like not associate her immediately with Eva Green. Yeah, but like I just the casting was so spot on. The the effects are so good. The music was like oh, I listened to the score regularly. It was just like. I know people had issues with it. I briefly saw, like, I exist on Twitter.com and <laughs> everyone has problems with everything. Yeah. But for me, it was exactly what I needed it to be and I wanted it to be. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I uh, I felt Series 2 was a bit slow to get going. But other than that, I think it's pretty much been 
spot on. The only thing I did say to uh, to Mohubi when we first started watching it, because I don't think he's ever read the books and he didn't really have any interest, but the one thing I did say to him before it started was, like, I really wish that they'd kept, oh, God, what is his name? The guy always plays a really deep-voiced cowboy type and he's really got like a voice like chocolate good lord oh no i'm sorry (laughs) oh my word this is so irritating i feel like his first name is sam but i can't place his i can't place his surname at all he was in um the big lebowski everybody who's listening to this is just bellowing at me at the moment bridges wait (laughs) no you know oh god i'm gonna have to look this up otherwise i'm gonna drive myself mad but he played um he was in the the golden compass film and he played lee scoresby and i always thought that that was absolutely a thousand percent spot on casting um and i was a little bit sad <laughs> i was a little bit sad that it wasn't going to be him in the tv show sam elliott there oh, we sam go elliott. yeah i was like googling it too <laughs> i wouldn't have got that on my own to be honest but like no i would never have got there and i don't know why he's a very famous man <laughs> um yeah, he he played Lee Scoresby in the uh, movie version, and I always thought he was completely perfect for Lee Scoresby. But uh, uh, you know, to give Lin Manuel his due, he was very good. Um, mm-hmm. So I won't, I won't, I won't pick on them too much for not uh, for not living my Sam Elliott dream. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been so long; like I have no, I, I I think I've completely blocked out the movie from my memory. So oh. like, it's very forgettable. For a yeah. film that's got like talking bears and stuff in it, it's, re- yeah. it's real forgettable. <laughs> I definitely like remember the the thing I remember the most about it is finishing watching the movie and being angry. Mm. So <laughs> that <laughs> tells you nothing. Uh, but like this, just uh, and again, I'm sure if I had read the books recently and if I had maybe more of a updated idea of like how good of a like adaptation it is but like it was enough of what i remembered it was the essence of what i remembered mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. made it like wonderful to me and like uh the characters are just like so good and everything that i could have ever wished for they gave me yeah i was um i was really impressed by james mcavoy as well like because he's he's a very hit and miss actor for me. I've seen some things that I think he's great, and other things that I think you could have put a puppet in there and it'd have been less wooden. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so w- when they sort of announced him as being Lord Asriel, I was like, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> but in yeah, in the show, he was absolutely fantastic, and I could watch him just sort of stride purposefully around in a sweater like all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, I totally forget what his real life wife is named i only know her like because like a like an ex-boyfriend like had told me that story at some point in time was just like oh yeah like that's that's like his wife like blah 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 so now like i hate that i associate her as his <laughs> wife i know she's very very famous in her own regard to and i've seen her in many things and she's wonderful but that is like what i always kind of like go to but she was so great in that too as a the character that's the mom the, the Egyptians bomb. The... Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm so bad. I'm I trying to remember know. her name because I cannot just possibly call her James McAvoy's wife and be that horrible person. I like the fact that we've forgotten both the character and the woman. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. She's quite an impressive feat of forgetfulness, this is. Oh, my God. Awful. I'm awful. Um, 
Is it Mark Costa? Yes, Mark Costa is the character. And then, (laughs) what is this poor? Why am I on M. Marita? (laughs) Thank God for IMDb. Oh, gosh. Poor woman. I'm so, so sorry to reduce you to, like, just James McAvoy. I think it's... (laughs) (laughs) I think, to be fair, it's a fairly good balance, because I forgot a dude, you forgot a lady. We're fine. We're we're on a total balance of, like, gender forgetfulness. It's absolutely... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But uh, she was so great in that. And, like, Mm -hmm. honestly, I just... Ugh, so good. Yeah. I... I don't, I didn't have an, I just started talking, but I didn't have anywhere to go with that. (laughs) (laughs) That's absolutely fine. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the fact that I, while we're still talking about books before I wander over to TV, I I read um, Carrie by Stephen King this week. And um, I don't know whether I need to start reading more books that are not of my generation, if that makes sense. Because, oh, baby. Stephen King doesn't come off well. <laughs> um, and I, I've been well assured by people that it's just because it was the 70s and it was not fine, but like, you know, sort of accepted speak then. But like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of misogyny and just real casual racism in that book, which is why I think it's even more sort of amazing that I thought this book was brilliant. <laughs> like, how did you manage to write a book where women are only described through hair and breasts? And, uh, <laughs> And that's not a joke either. And I've got to admit, I did laugh out loud when one woman's breasts were described as upright because I couldn't even slightly imagine what that meant. <laughs> I, uh, I have to assume you meant pert, maybe, but I kept sort of envisioning like a lady who's, I don't know, like put her boobs on a shelf so that the, the nipples yeah. are just pointing They're right to see Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Don't want it's, them spilled over. <laughs> it's quite amazing that I that I actually enjoyed this book. I was really like baffled by my own reaction when I got to it because I I squaffled it up in in a night I read it started reading it after I finished work and I finished it at like half eleven in bed just like absolutely wrapped but it's it's so interesting to me that somebody can get away with right I mean there's a bit where he describes Carrie as well this genuinely surprised me because of because my only knowledge of Carrie is the movie and I've only seen it once and I'm very forgetful but like Carrie's actually in the book she's actually a slightly fat girl which I would never have guessed from the the fact that she was played by Sissy Spacek in the movie. But he he even says things that I just think are just awful, where he refers to, like, I don't know, uh, for example, like, she moved her head to the left bovinely. Like, bovinely? What an awful thing to say about anyone. Like, it's just such a weird way of doing things. And yet still, I absolutely snaffled this book up like there was not going to be a tomorrow for me to finish reading it in. It's so good. <laughs> I never read any, like, Stephen King, actually. I don't think, I maybe read one thing, although I'm struggling to think of what that might be. But I've read, like, a ton of Joe King stuff, who yeah. is his son, like, very, 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 very similar tonally, I think, mm-hmm. uh, to his father, which I'm sure he would loathe to hear. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but, like, I think they're very similar. And, like, I don't know. I I hear things about Stephen King's writing and everyone loves it. And I just, I haven't taken that dive yet. Yeah. It, it is one of those things where, um, like I say, I mean, I don't know whether I just needed to sort of adjust my head into the 70s. <laughs> so maybe I was coming at it with too much of a 2021 brain 
but there was a lot of like just casually slapping women around and there's a like there's a lot of there's an end bomb for no reason like it's not and it's not like because i can accept those sorts of things if say there's a character who's a total asshole so you know he's an asshole he's a racist he says the n-word because he's an asshole racist like I can understand the motivations behind that. But when you're just casually talking about, I don't know, a group of people on a farm, for example, like just dropping the M-bomb there, mate. No, <laughs> I don't I don't need that. I'm really not selling this book. So I feel, <laughs> I feel like I should say that it is genuinely a really good book. And the thing that I really enjoyed about it is that I was sort of anticipating it all going to be either from Carrie's perspective or just like one big long story about Carrie. But he he actually tells the story in segments. So you'll get a bit from Carrie's point of view and then you'll get like a news article that's from after what happens at the school. And then you'll get a bit from one of the schoolgirls' points of view and then you'll get a segment from an interview with somebody who was on the scene. And like it's... um it's really segmented and towards the end as well it it gets all wafty with the timeline so it really keeps you in sort of suspenders about exactly what's happening to who and when Um, and I think that's why I was really drawn to it because it's not the kind of style of book I've ever read before and I think I also had this expectation of it being like the film where it's like you know there's the bit in the shower and then she gets a bit bullied and then the prom happens (laughs) and that's the book but it's not that at all but yeah i would say i would recommend it to people i thought it was great but and it is apparently one of his shorter shortest books so (laughs) it's a good one it's a good one to start with um but definitely yeah just try not to have so much of a modern brain (laughs) yeah when you read it i'm definitely like really interested like specifically kind of like about the shining like i i know he like famously hates the movie and yeah, I love that film. <laughs> yeah, I actually only saw it for the first time a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like, I'm I'm deeply intrigued by, like, what is so different, like, in the source that would make him kind of just, like, loathe this adaptation that is so beloved. Like, it's like a cinematic, like, masterpiece, like, to so many people, right? Yeah. And I'm so curious. But then also, his books are so long. And they're so long. They're so long. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Someday I'll get to it, I'm sure. But uh, today or next week or probably even in 2021, not the year or day. Or <laughs> <laughs> the um, My first experience of The Shining was so bizarre because I was at a club at a Halloween party and they were just playing movies uh, on big screens all around the venue, but obviously just playing music over it so there was no actual sound and it is such a baffling experience to be in the middle of a club and like i don't know (laughs) be be presented from like three different sides for example that terrifying decomposing naked lady in the bath whoa yeah whilst listening to like carly ray jepson (laughs) yeah that's very bizarre (laughs) yeah i did feel like i might have like it was one of those experiences where you think, is this happening? This is too weird to be a real thing. <laughs> I don't think I like it. So then I had to go and actually watch the movie a couple of days later because I was like, I can't have this be <laughs> my knowledge of The Shining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like Baffling. I think, like, so I'm pretty wimpy when it comes to horror movies. Uh, I just, like, grew up without, like, TV or movies and, like, anything. And when my parents did have a TV in the house, like... I was definitely not allowed to watch anything scary. So, like, I am not desensitized. I am 
overly sensitized. I'm scared of everything. <laughs> so I've just like avoided horror movies for so long because they just like genuinely scare the bejeebus out of me. Like I cover my eyes, I cover my ears. Like I have like a whole method of watching horror movies and it involves me covering <laughs> like every part of me that I could absorb the film. And over the last few years, I've tried to kind of like adjust that a little bit. And like, I think there's a lot of really great horror movies out there and I just kind of hadn't been introduced to them. Mm-hmm. So I'm changing that. I'm trying to be better. So I like do like 31 days of horror for like October. And then if there's like a good horror movie kind of, out in the world I try to like get to that too so I'm slowly learning but The Shining is one of my partner's favorite movies and when I told him I hadn't seen it he was like excuse me like it was he's so mad he's like well we have to watch it and like then he's just like watching me watch the movie you know throughout the whole thing do you love it do you love it <laughs> I and sort of hate uh, that anticipation sometimes when you're watching yeah. something with someone and they're just staring at you watching your yeah. reaction yeah and I, again, I've mostly covered my eyes and my ears anyways. So that's what you're getting is like either that or like I'm fully under a blanket and peeking out from a blanket. So you're not really going to see much of my reaction. But yeah, like I'm I'm trying to. The Shining was really fascinating to me. And I, I also watched like Doctor Sleep. Yeah. And that made me want to read the book, though, because like. The movie, and I don't know if the book's like this, but the movie to me focuses on the most boring parts of mm-hmm. that world. Like, yeah. it, you have people with powers and you don't ever really explore that, like, like in a big, meaningful way. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to know all about that. And uh, I'm curious if the book delves into that more. But again, it is such a long book. And yeah, yeah. I was... Uh... I was intrigued about that book because we saw Doctor Sleep. I think it was about a year after it came out because we like a lot of the reviews were sort of like yeah, so we were like all right, well, <laughs> no rush then. And when we eventually got around to watching it, we we both sort of said this is one of those films that I feel like I should like because you know all the performances are great, the direction's pretty great, uh, the effects are pretty good, but it's just like the story is just like uh-huh. <laughs> just all like- right. It's like they they lay the groundwork of something great and you're spot on. Like everything, all the elements are great, but they just like don't come together. Like it's like I don't buy this weird relationship this guy has with this kid and like, you know, all this like other stuff. And I just kind of wish that they'd done more of an exploration of that. Like I kind of wanted a story about what's I don't know what her name is. Rebecca Ferguson's character, something the hat, hat lady. Yeah. <laughs> What's it of the hat? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I know this is like, I'm, I swear to God, I know things about movies and I swear. Honestly, not- anybody who's listened to this show before is a thousand percent used to people going, you know, that thing, the guy with the face and the hair and he's in that show with the Wither Woman. Yeah. Like. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, her name, I, because again, IMDb, uh, Rose the Hat. There you go. <laughs> but like, what? Why? Just, I was so curious about her, mm-hmm. and, like, I don't know, I was so curious about the other characters that she traveled with, and they just, like, don't explore that. Like, Yeah, it's weird. 
It's mm. really weird. I might read that book one day. My hubby's just started uh, rebuying a load of Stephen King books because they released them with fancy rainbow covers that look really swish on your shelf, uh-huh. um, which is annoying because we don't really have shelf space as it is. There's, we've literally got books piled on the living room floor. <laughs> we are such a fire hazard. So I might, I might read it eventually, but like, yeah, I don't know. Stephen King's one of those ones that I feel like I'm a bit trepidatious about reading in case i don't like too much of his stuff and then people get annoyed with me for not liking you know the king of horror (laughs) well you know like i've heard so many times the gunslinger series is like Mm. so many of my friends favorite books and i know the movie is atrocious because i've watched it (laughs) but like and i don't know how things with idris elba could be bad and yet both the dark tower and ghost rider exist but Mm. Like, uh, I I want to read those books, but there's so many in the series, and I'm again, my attention span is dead. It is, yeah. I don't have it. I see a book that has over one, and I'm like, mm, do I want to invest my time in this? They're quite they're quite chunky as well, aren't they? Oh, if, I, wow. if I remember right, <laughs> I have them too. I own them. They're like I own them digitally on my iPad, and I still can't like every time i'm scrolling through and looking for a book to read i'm like yeah but do i wanna like <laughs> how many pages does this one have <laughs> oh, it's just so it's such a big investment and like you know like i've been burned so many times before with like series where it's like either like a movie or a tv show or you know a book series and you get to the end and it's so not satisfying and you're just like mm. angry that you put in all that time like Game of Thrones or like Lost. And I'm sorry to everybody yeah. who loves Lost, but I hate it. Mm. And like you you feel angry and kind of like betrayed because you like spent so much time and energy on this thing. And then it's just like not as good as what you hope. So mm. it's hard to feel like you want to invest in something that just has that's going to involve so much time and energy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, reading is one of those things as well that I think like I, because even in these lockdown times when it's like, what else have you got to do with your time, really? I've still found it much easier to sit down and like watch a t- like binge a TV show or watch a couple of films or what have you than I have to actually like sit down and pay attention to a book. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't quite know why that is, what it is about the medium that I find harder to like fully concentrate on. But I've, I've like me and Rich have watched so much TV and so many movies because um, <laughs> regular listeners to the show will know that Rich tries to do a thing every year where he watches the equivalent of a movie a day. So like <laughs> he lets himself off some days based on how he's feeling, but then he'll have to like catch up later. And I think... I feel like, I want to say last year, he actually watched like 500 movies he'd never oh seen before. My God. Just because of lockdown. Because, <laughs> like, you know, we weren't going out anymore and hanging around with mates and stuff. So it was just a case of like, ah, stick on four films on a Saturday. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I definitely had days like that too. And, like, I think I watched, like, I cleared my Netflix queue and, like, mm everything that I wanted to watch I was like oh my gosh is this what it's like to have time (laughs) um and like I definitely watched a ton of movies last year and like last year was again that anxiety of like re-watching things I definitely revisited a ton of things just because like they were comfort things to like watch during these (laughs) strange times but like yeah I I definitely got in more back into kind of my normal I guess like 
reading is still something I typically now do before bed. And I, I just binge watch a lot of TV and more TV than movies for sure. Although like I have a ton of movies on my list to watch, but for some reason I can binge 12 hours of TV in like a day or two. But like the thought of sitting down for a movie that's an hour and a half to two hours long is like, oh no, I don't have time for that. (laughs) See, now I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit opposite with that because for me, I don't like to binge TV shows. I am a very big fan of shows that still come out once a week. I, I am not really a big fan of like, you know, when Netflix does a dump of like a whole season of something. And it's not just because of spoilers, even though that is a big thing. Because d- there are some people who seem to have the time. They like get up on the stroke of midnight, oh <laughs> watch God, a whole yes. thing before I'm even out of bed. And then they're there spoiling the end of it on Twitter. And you're like, what are you doing? But it's not just that. It's for me. Like, I quite like that sort of little bit of anticipation for like, ooh, what's going to come next? And like a lot of shows, when I say I binge watch a show, what I mean is I'll watch like maybe two episodes a day. Um, Because that's as much as I want to watch without ruining it for myself. Uh, But then I do have to, like, avoid the internet at all costs. (laughs) That's how my partner is, too. And, like, oh, my God, he drives me nuts, though. We can binge an entire show in one day and, like, only have the finale left. And he'll be like, well, it's time to go home. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I'm like, you cannot. He's like, oh, yeah, I can. And I will. Goodbye. It's time for me to go home. I'm tired. And I'm like no so like it's like what shows do I want to start with him versus what shows do I want to watch myself but like yeah I don't know I I don't mind like watching things week to week too but I think it's part of the fact that again it's like so spoiled online for me mm-hmm. but then if something I'm this is again circling back to something I said at the beginning but like if a show is based on a book or something else that I haven't read, and it's week to week. This show is now playing a dangerous game with me. Like, it's playing chicken. It's like, how much are you going to hold back from me? Because I'm just going to Google what happens in the book. <laughs> so I like, I watched maybe two or three episodes, I think, of Big Little Lies, for instance, mm-hmm. the HBO show. And I had a deep suspicion about who was behind everything. You know, I was like... I am pretty sure I know who it is. But then it's like, oh, well, I still have seven more weeks until they're going to reveal this. And so I Googled what happened in the book. And then I was like, I am right. Great. And I never watched the show again. <laughs> See, I, uh, <laughs> I'm i one of those people who, if I Google something and spoil it for myself, um, give it a year and I'll have forgotten it so I can just watch the thing and then it'll be fine. Yeah. It's, it's all there. It's like with Dexter. My hubby was watching Dexter. I have a. Fa- I mean, I feel like this. This seems like too long ago, but maybe I'm. I, I think I'm right in this. I think Dexter started while we were not living together, and by the time we started living together, it was like almost coming up on season five. So he was like, "Right, I'm going to watch it. Do you want to start watching it? If so, I'll get all the episodes for you. You can watch series one to four. Um, and at that point, I can't remember if it was him or somebody else had told me the absolutely huge clanging spoiler that happens at the end of season four which anybody who has watched Dexter will know exactly what I'm talking about (laughs) it is massive and by the time I got around to watching that episode I'd forgotten it and I was in bits I was like oh my god I can't do this oh is that about Darla 
Um, yes. Oh, <laughs> I like that you know who I'm talking about. I was like, that's not what she's called, but that's no. who the actress is. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, I'd completely forgotten. Yeah, completely forgotten by the time we got to the end of the season. And I was just absolutely in peace. It's like, oh, what? <laughs> Like, that was one of those shows, though, that I was glad I, I watched that. And I, I think I watched maybe two, one or two more seasons after that, I think. And then I just started Googling what happened. <laughs> I swear yeah. I watched things, but I did that with Dexter. And then the ending, like the very ending was revealed and what happened and how angry everybody was. And I was like, yeah, yeah. you know what? I'm happy with my decision to have left this show. Well, they're, um, apparently they're going back to it to do another oh, season. And I'm, I'm really sceptical about this because they either have to do one of two things, both of which I think are shit, which is act like the previous, like the, the last season didn't exist and do it again, which I think is a stupid idea, or go from where they left off, which was shit. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And like, if they do what the former of what you said, I feel like it also sets a dangerous precedent for like fandom, like kind of thing yeah. where like, you know, people are clamoring for things like Game of Thrones to be a change and like. I don't want to get into this as I told you, but like, you know, like the Snyder verse like stuff. And like, it just sets like a really weird precedent for like what happens when fans don't like something. And I just like really hate that. Like, like I just want the people to commit to their crappy vision. If this is how you (laughs) intended it to end, you've made that choice. That's your fault. Live with it. Don't be like, you know, 10 years has passed and I think we could, like, revisit how crappy that was. No, you made your choices. Like... (laughs) Yep, you lie in that bed. You made it. You lie in it. Yeah, there's a weird... um, I was having this conversation with my hubby in in light of the uh, Snyderverse business about how there is a weird sort of slither of fandom that is just incredibly entitled. And I don't... And, yeah, and I just don't... I don't understand what, like... So I fully understand the disappointment when something goes shit. Like, you know, I'm not I'm a very passionate person and I get very involved in 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 the media that I enjoy. And so I fully understand when something that you've previously been enjoying or something that you are massively looking forward to doesn't meet your expectations, but it's also just a film or just a TV show and after about an hour of being a bit sort of like, oh for fuck's sake, like over it (laughs) and i'll I'll just watch something else there'll be something else i can enjoy previous generations like you know what they did when they didn't like something they wrote fan fiction yes like go write fan fiction like it doesn't have to like it can exist in your head like i think you know like writers in a way like watch things and get disappointed you know you love things but then like creators you also watch things and you're disappointed by them and in a way that also fuels you too like that fuels you to be like what could i have done differently what could this have been what could be changed to be better and it like starts getting like gears turning in your own head about how to write stories and how to kind of like craft worlds and stuff like that and it's a really interesting like way to kind of develop your brain creatively and I think like if you just like are like oh well we'll just give them what they want it's making people like creatively lazy too Mm -hmm. like just write fan fiction yeah. Well, I mean, this was this was a big thing for me and the hubby. Was it last year or that it must have been the year before? I'm so I've got no concept of time since lockdown. Yeah, the the rise of Skywalker 
did my Swede in so hard? <laughs> and it's not necessarily because it was like terrible, because I don't think it was terrible, but it felt it felt very much like uh, entitled fans getting their way, if that makes oh, sense. Yes. Like I um, totally understand. Because I adored The Last Jedi. I thought that film was phenomenal. And one of the reasons I liked it so much was because it didn't feel like it was just doing Star Wars again, which, as much as I enjoyed Force Awakens, that was just like A New Hope mm-hmm. with a Lady. Um, yeah. You know, and so for The Last Jedi to to sort of take a lot of that and sort of put it in the bin and go, actually let's do something different and i was so excited for where it was going to go and then you know the rise of skywalker came out and it was just like actually we're just going to give you more of the same stuff look at c3po look at, I know. What, I look know. at him knocking around and i was just like oh my god no and that's not that's not what i wanted you know what i watched the force awakens and that was like the first time that i ever really kind of felt truly connected to like the star wars universe like i kind of got what everybody was excited about mm-hmm. but you're right it is like a continuation like it's like a remake and then i i didn't like the last jedi like i liked it fine i guess i should say not didn't like it but i didn't love it the last jedi after i saw it in theaters and i really 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 didn't like rise of skywalker but i did a rewatch of all the star wars movies with my mm-hmm. partner not long ago and both of us watched the last jedi after immediately watching force awakens and we're both like oh this isn't nearly as bad as like i remembered and like that was kind of more where he kind of landed on it overall but like i wound up thinking about it more and like actually really enjoying it and appreciating it for exactly what you're saying like it is the most original of the films and it was trying to do something different and it's visually stunning and it's gorgeous it's so beautiful and I think I always appreciated it for that part of things, but it just like sets everything up for something more and to be something better. And then you watch Rise of Skywalker and you're right. It's not that it's a bad movie, but it like retcons everything. It's just a big reset button. Yeah. And then it's just one big like thing of fan service. And there's two things in that movie that I loathed and like actually was like, come on in the theater at, and I don't know, like, it just, it was deeply just uninteresting and just, it took all the good parts of what had come before and just made it about the fans. Yeah. I have similar feelings about the last kind of like few episodes of the season two of The Mandalorian. Uh, why can't mm. things just exist on their own? Like, you well, have this massive universe. <laughs> like, <just> literally. <laughs> let people and stories exist without like tying it in like ahsoka was great but like just stop with the fan service like people were into this before the thing that happens i don't want to spoil but like (laughs) i just i think we suffer from kind of like the marvel universe and like the mcu has kind of like spoiled fans in a really big way and now everybody's just like we have to make it all interconnected it's all interconnected everything's interconnected and like just let things exist on their own without it being connected you know what connects it the franchise itself it's a star wars story like just stop yeah sorry that was a rant (laughs) you rant ahead it's fine now the um the the big thing sort of about the last jedi that um 
that I really sort of liked is there's there's one thing that I'm not a huge fan of, and it happens a lot in particularly Disney um, properties, is the idea that you can only be special if you've either gone through a massive trauma or if you've got an important family. So, like, in Star Wars, everything is about uh, either Luke Skywalker or being a Jedi. Like, you, you can't be an important person unless you are, <laughs> you know, a direct descendant of a Skywalker or, or something like this. And what I really loved about The Last Jedi is that Ray was very focused on, like, who, what is my parentage? Like, where do I come from? Am I a good person? And it, it, it put in the bin this idea that you're a good person based on who your parents are or whatever. And it was like, no, you can be whatever you want to be. If you want to go to the dark side, fucking do it. Like whatevs. If you want to be a good person, you do that instead. <laughs> like it's, it's you make your own fucking destiny. And I came out of that film. I was like, yes, we do. And I was very excited. And then the next film was like, or your parents uh, is this guy. <laughs> it's just like, no. Okay. And like, it is a crime. It is a genuine crime against, like, actors to have used Jodie Comer for, like, a blip of a scene. <laughs> like A split second. You are you seriously hired Jodie Comer for that? Like, what? Get out of here. You are fired, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> um, I'm giggling, but I'm, I'm just realizing uh, how long we've been talking. And, oh, um, I love to talk. <laughs> me, me too. Me too. Um, so uh, I, I think I do. I don't like. I don't want to keep you too much longer from your food and stuff and your weekend. Um, but I do think it would be remiss of me to not mention the Wonder Vision finale. Uh, it, you can't have a pop culture podcast and not talk about Wonder Vision. It's illegal. Did you watch Wonder Vision? I did. I I did. And by the end of it, Twitter had trained me to get up early before work. Yeah. To watch it, you monsters. (laughs) I am not a morning person. So I was very much a don't even think about existing on the internet until lunch break. And and yes, I am going to take a sneakily long lunch break, boss. I'm very sorry, but I've got to watch this. Yeah. Oh, what a nightmare. How did you, what did you think of it? I really enjoyed it. Um, like, I think, you know, having just come off of Winter Soldier as well, kind of comparing those shows, which is realistically like parent- comparing apples to oranges. Uh, it's just such a great series. And I really hope that they stick to their guns and leave it as like a mini. I don't want more. Like, I... I want to see that story explored and I'm really glad that we got to see more of Wanda's like backstory and more of what makes her tick. Cause we really just like, she's been an underused character forever, but like it just was such a great exploration, not only of her origin and backstory, but of what everybody else has kind of just been saying her like extreme grief Mm -hmm. and the person that it, creates like this hollow shell of a person and i just think they did such a phenomenal job in telling that story where at the core of it all it's just about this woman this extraordinary woman who has lost everything Mm -hmm. and it was so powerful those those lines that just you know there's so many memes and like people were posting all of them up everywhere and i'm not going to get cheesy about them but you know, like it had such 
emotion to it. And there was like, you know, in the finale moments where I genuinely like teared up and my heart like skipped a beat. And, you know, you just like feel for her and what she's going through. And, you know, Agatha wound up kind of like stealing the show with like, you know, Agatha all along and the song and everything. And I think at the core of this, like, you know, it's just the things that I remember now isn't Agatha, although Catherine Hahn is like a treasure. She's yeah. a treasure. She really uh, is. But like the things I remember about it most are kind of just like the emotion that it evoked and just like how much it made me feel for Wanda. Yeah, it's um it's one of those shows. Like I was not anticipating being that bothered about it. Um because like you know, as much as I um, adore practically all of the MCU movies, I was very much in the boat of, like, these are two characters that I could give or take. <laughs> like, they don't really... Do, you know, Vision gets a bit more of a sort of time, I suppose, because of the whole Age of Ultron thing. But, like, pairing them together, like, I've never been bothered. I'm like, if they never appeared in a Marvel movie again, I don't think I would care. <laughs> so I went into this show thinking, like, yeah, this will be fine i guess um and i came out of it and i was just like they need to do more of this and i'm so glad they've got so many more tv shows in the pipeline because i was talking to my good friend barry yesterday about this um as we were talking about falcon and winter soldier about how it's great to focus on the things that aren't the super things so you know as much as the movies are fantastic where it's like yes let's you know watch a film where somebody has a fight with a big wizard or whatever (laughs) like yeah it's very exciting but like to have these stories where it's super people but dealing with grief or mm-hmm. financial issues or, you know, processing super-related trauma, it actually gives them a lot more wiggle room to say more important things and look more into the characters' sort of motivations and their past. And, like, I take my hat off so much to Elizabeth Olsen because she absolutely carried that show like as much as i also adore katherine hahn and i think she gobbled up that part like Mm -hmm. she was amazing but like you say i keep coming back to there's so many bits of that show where elizabeth olsen is portraying things that you just think like good god (laughs) how is she Mm -hmm. even just walking around and doing things let alone you know controlling an entire town and i just thought yeah i thought it was phenomenal stuff and i adored her new costume Um, yeah she looks fantastic. Oh, I, My, I was just I can't I can't wait for more stuff. Yeah, anything, I know. give it all. <laughs> Me too. And my partner is like he's only kind of gotten into comics through me so he doesn't really have a lot of kind of context like i knew about scarlet witch and like house of m and you know like i knew at her core what her powers were so like going into wandavision like with that in mind you can kind of guess what's going on like in a way Mm -hmm. but like my partner didn't have that and was kind of like this show is too weird for me like i'm not really into it after we watched the first episode which is fine for me because then i just watched it before i started work every day (laughs) but like i get where he was coming from where it's like a very high concept show right off the cuff and like it doesn't necessarily make sense without the context for wanda Mm -hmm. and you either kind of enjoy the kookiness of it or you're just like what's the point and he was kind of in the ladder of that but you know like i think it was a really interesting study in the characters and just like what the mcu can really be and like i i think 
I don't think we'll get another show like WandaVision. Like, to me, the rest of them seem pretty, like, you Normal. know. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say cookie cutter because that's a disservice to the work that's going into them. But there'll be, like, a lot more to the Marvel MCU mold, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And um, this is just a really standout show that I really don't think we'll see again. And a lot of people are talking about how Elizabeth Olsen, you're like, uh, it's just like acting her heart out and you're right. Like, and I think it's a shame that we probably won't see her get award recognition for that because mm-hmm. she just does such a stellar job. And again, I just think about like that final episode where she has to kind of give up her family and all this stuff. Oh. And just like my heart was breaking for her and like, it was so powerful. And, you know, like I could have done without like that kind of ultimate final battle without Agatha or whatever, like take it or leave it. It was, it was fine. It was great. But like, to me, the show again was Wanda and I mean, sure vision, but like, let's be honest. It was Wanda. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will say though, that I am. I also think that Paul Bettany needs to get (laughs) like so much recognition because I didn't realize how genuinely funny he is. Like he's got such good comedic timing, especially in the earlier episodes where they're sort of parried, parodying it's getting late and i'm losing my marbles (laughs) where they're doing like the sort of older sitcoms he's hilarious in those i just Mm -hmm. thought both of them were just a and i think this is the first time as well that i've genuinely felt like they were in love because previously it's just been a case of like well i mean even in endgame that you see them for like 10 seconds before somebody's trying to kill them it's like there's no context to that relationship at all There's no, she has no development. You don't really know what her powers are. She keeps slipping out of her stupid accent. Like, you know, <laughs> like they're all of a sudden together. And like for comic fans, you know, but like for anyone else, it's just like, uh, okay, whatever. I can take this or leave it. And yeah, they've really just fleshed all of that out here and made it something uh, spectacular. Although I will say about Paul Bettany that I feel like I did know he had comedic chops because like I'm also deeply in love with A Knight's Tale. I've never seen it, but now I want to. (laughs) Oh, okay. So this is why you thought that then. Because, like, well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, like, exaggerating because, like, A Knight's Tale is also bonkers. But, like, (laughs) I feel like I keep on telling you about things that aren't, like, necessarily inherently good. (laughs) They're bonkers. But, like, I love them. And, like, A Knight's Tale is, like, again, that. I will not say that it's necessarily good. Mm -hmm. The music is weird for the movie the like everything is a bit weird but i love it and heath ledger i love him and paul bettany i love him and shannon sossaman i love her like it's all the things i want but if you like paul bettany and you like kind of that comedic timing and you want to see more of his chops kind of in a different setting than what you would kind of typically see him in a knight's tale for sure Excellent. That seems like a good place for us to do our music recommendations and then I can let you go for the weekend. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. I shall let you go first. What song would you like to recommend people plonk in their ears? Oh, okay, here, hang on. I'm looking at my playlist because I have like a couple songs that I listen to constantly. You told me to prepare for this and then it immediately (laughs) slipped my mind. (laughs) (laughs) So I am the worst but i like what get out of here stupid spotify <laughs> uh, so i'm gonna recommend the chauffeur the chauffeur by war paint oh okay which Definitely also heard of them i love it it's such a good song 
But like I was speaking of Shannon Sossaman, and Shannon Sossaman was an original founding member of this band, actually. Oh, that's a good segue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, I uh, the song that I chose is um, it's called Leave the Door Open, and it's by a band called Silk Sonic, which is um, Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars. And it, it's like a sort of Motown, smooth Motown ballad type thing but it also has sort of semi-ridiculous lyrics and i'm kind of in love with it on both fronts there's like a fantastic bit in it where the the (laughs) anderson pack is like casually asking you hey like what are you up to tonight because i kind of want to take you on a date oh have you got plans and then just (laughs) for some reason in the lyrics he goes uh oh you've got plans don't say that and then a backing vocal which i think is bruno mars goes shut your trap and i just think any song that can be this sensual and also tell me to shut my trap and be successful mm-hmm, has mm-hmm. got to be worth listening to. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my recommendation. Yeah. I shall pop both of those songs on the Stacey's Parlor Recommendations Spotify playlist, which I shall post on Twitter when this episode comes out, if you all want to have a listen. On that note, is there anything you'd like to promote before we do a 21 skidoo and I clamber into bed? Oh, yeah, and I go get some doodle, that's not waffles. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. I have a book out, a middle grade graphic novel. It's called Oh My Gods. Uh, so that came out in January. Uh, you can go to ohmygods.org, and that'll direct you to my publisher, HMH Kids, uh, and you can order a copy of the book yourself or the sequel that's coming out in January. Or my other book, Paranorthern, which is out in July, which you can go to paranorthern.net to pre-order. Splendid. Um, <laughs> well, while we're pimping things, I will just say, if you've got some spare dosh and you've already bought Steph's books, obviously, my Bookworm Challenge fundraising page is justgiving.com forward slash Stacy Bookworm. Uh, I'm raising funds for a Birmingham NHS charity uh, to try and rustle up some dosh for uh, seeing through the well-being of patients and staff in Birmingham during a pandemic. So if you've got any spare dosh, that would be an absolute delight. Steph, it's been a treat to have you in the parlour. Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to ramble at somebody for like, (laughs) you know, 90 minutes. It's fine. It's my absolute favourite pastime. It's been a total pleasure to have you. Um, And hopefully we'll be able to get you back again after Paranorthern comes out, maybe. Yeah, I would love to. Again, I'm like, "Mm, try and keep it like, I'm like, I'll try and keep it short and all this stuff. But then I'm just like, (laughs) try to longer. And we'll oh, yeah. extend it into another episode in the future, for sure. Excellent. Well, thank you again for joining me. And listeners, I hope you have an absolutely lovely end of the month, which by the time I've been bothered to edit this, it might only be a couple of days. <laughs> and I shall see you all next month. Thanks for stopping by. Love you all. Bye. Thank you for listening to Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. To get in touch with me, the titular Stace, you can follow me on Twitter at Stacey's Parlour. Send an email to stacysparlour at gmail.com or come and join the Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour Facebook group. If you'd like to leave a review for the show, please do so on Apple Podcasts or over at podchaser.com. If you like what you heard enough to want to give me some money, which would be quite spectacular actually, you can go to coffee.com forward slash stacysparlour. That's ko-fi.com forward slash stacysparlour. The music that you're hearing right now is by the amazing band Starbomb and you should really check them out on Spotify, iTunes or on their website. Thanks for stopping by and I'll see you next month. Mwah!